Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, November 23rd. Coming up on the show today, we finally get some playoff soccer in the MLS in Nashville. The college football playoff rankings are coming out on Tuesday night as well. Titans Twitter is once again living way too deep in their feelings. But we begin with a conversation with ESPN's Teron Davenport and his thoughts on what we should really be concerned about when it comes to the Titans' loss to the Texans. The Kingston Group, of course, who brings you this show, would like to say happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. Enjoy some time with your family and friends. And, you know, if you're at a Thanksgiving dinner and you're looking around your house going, man, I think we could use some more space for a bigger Thanksgiving party, the Kingston Group are the people to call. BuildKG.com is the website. Just remember the name, the Kingston Group, before you do anything big on your home. Tron, pleasure to see you, man. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. And we're spending this week trying to figure out, like, what's the right amount of overreaction to the Titans' loss to Houston? Um, I sort of think all the same things about this team upside Super Bowl, everything, especially if Derrick Henry comes back. How, how, What parts of the loss to Houston concern you and what parts of the loss are just sort of sometimes that's going to happen on a Sunday in, in the NFL? Yeah, really what this game showed you is that with this team constructed as they are now, everything has to happen correctly and the ball has to bounce in their favor every single way for them to win. That's really what it boils down to. And last week against the Saints, you saw the ball bounce in their favor a couple times, right? A.J. Brown crawls and, and recovers the fumble. You have the interception in the corner of the end zone called back. So those were plays that made a really big difference and they ended up working in their favor. This game against the Texans, yeah, there were, for the most part, like if you watch the game, you go back and watch it. I think this is one of the ones where you really need to go back and watch because you'll see that it wasn't necessarily as ugly as it looked at first glance. That being said, it was still ugly, you know? So there were some mistakes in there that are easily avoidable. And I think that's really what you have to look at. And and just those mistakes that they made were just catastrophic, right? Chester Rogers having to bounce off his, his foot. Ryan Tannehill throwing an interception in the red zone on the second drive of the game. Flipping the field, Kamal Gruja Hill returning to the six-yard line. So those are the things that you have to look at and, and just really – just understand that, you know, in order for this team to win, everything has to go right. I, I think the, the margin for error is incredibly small. I, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you take the best player on the team off the field, essentially, w- without Derek. Ryan Tannehill, they certainly don't want him throwing the football 52 times. Yeah. But but there has to be some semblance of a play-action game for him to sort of find his own rhythm and routine to be at his best. My question for you is, even before Derek Henry got hurt, Ryan Tannehill was clearly not nearly as efficient as he was the years before are, are you convinced that in a playoff game like the Baltimore Ravens did last year if somebody takes away Derrick Henry that Ryan Tannehill can be a guy that puts the entire team on his shoulders for an entire game well I think if you're asking me if they could do it while shutting down Derrick Henry Derrick Henry still being on the field I, I think so because regardless of whether he shut down and that's the beauty of Derrick Henry you could have him shut down and then all of a sudden he breaks off a 76 yard run remember the Bills game and things are just completely different. So I, I, I think, you know, that influence that he has is always going to help Ryan Tannehill. Now, as far as the play action is concerned, go back and look at the game. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would imagine a whole lot of their drives on first down, they have minimal to no gain. 
second and 12, right? Third and long. You can't really use play action because it's not going to have the same effectiveness as it does if you get five yards on first down. And now you're at second and five, right? You're at third and medium and those type of situations. That's going to make the play action more effective. So there's pick and choosing when you have to utilize that. And Todd Downing has said it before. They're having some struggles on, on, on first and second down, which is keeping them from using that play action. Uh, a lot more than than what they could be using it. I know you're from all over the place, and and Titans fans are obviously your audience. So I'm not trying to get you to like piss everybody off here, but I'm just curious. Do do you feel that Titans fans are overly concerned with their perception nationally? Like I, yeah. like, like I very mean, much so. Like Derrick Henry's great. Everyone in the world loves Derrick Henry. I don't know why Titans fans are so worked up about Jonathan Taylor getting a little love. Does that make sense? Like. You shouldn't be worked up about Jonathan Taylor getting a little love, and I, I think it's just showing. It's helping this whole concept that the running back is is devalued. And I, I swear, I, I hate that whole concept. And somebody from Football Outsiders, they said something about, you know, you can't really put too much into what Jonathan Taylor is doing. It's the offensive line. Okay, listen, as a running back, right, you go to, and especially in zone schemes, right, you go to the line, you have to have the vision to see the cutback. You have to have the ability to have your brain marry your vision and your feet to cut back. But when you get to the second level, you have to be able to make it happen, whether it's make a guy miss or run away from everybody. Last time I checked, the offensive line isn't carrying Jonathan Taylor on those long games. <laughs> or Derrick so, Henry. Yeah, and Derrick Henry. You watch some of these runs. like You look at a couple of the runs that they had yesterday against the Texans. There were a few of those that would have been house calls if it was Derrick Henry. So absolutely, the back in the backfield is very much necessary. And it's not a matter of just taking, you know, Naeem Himes and putting him in that situation and expecting the same result. As good as Naeem Himes is, Jonathan Taylor is right now the best running back in football. That's because Derrick Henry's out, but he's playing outstanding football. So you, you got to I just think that this whole quest to devalue the running back, I, I, I'm raving. But uh, ranting, but it, it just it, it sickens me because that position is still very important. So to continue a little bit with some of the point that that Teron and I were making there, it does feel like the Titans, for whatever reason, Titans fans are 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 just too obsessed with what the national media has to say about their product. N- number one, we've been over this: television executives, TV slots these sort of mainstream embrace debate programs that they are only going to talk about topics that drive ratings and. Right now, the Tennessee Titans with a small fan base and a small market and a young fan base are not ever going to really truly drive ratings in any big major way the way, you know, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys or LeBron James does. And again, my, my response would be, if you do not want highly questionable content, do not watch highly questionable takes. And if you care that much... I would say go back and find smart football people who were touting Derrick Henry as an MVP candidate literally on SportsCenter the night that they beat the Buffalo Bills. Jonathan Taylor just had one of the best games of his entire career, if not the best game, and people are now giving him credit. That is mutually exclusive from what Derrick Henry was accomplishing before he got hurt. He was the front runner by most accounts, for the MVP trophy before he got hurt. Then he gets hurt. Now he's out of it. Jonathan Taylor is in it. There's not some vengeful agenda against the Tennessee Titans. The Colts aren't a national brand. Jonathan Taylor's not some bigger-than-life superstar that is getting the benefit of the doubt. He's just having a great year, just like Derrick Henry was. 
And last year's MVP season, Aaron Rodgers deserved the award, which is mutually exclusive from how awesome Derrick Henry was. Everything can be true. Derrick Henry was spectacular last season, and Aaron Rodgers was slightly more valuable and deserved the award. Derrick Henry was the MVP frontrunner this year and was getting plenty of love from smart football people around the country. And also, Jonathan Taylor is having a spectacular season as well and now deserves conversation because Derrick Henry isn't playing football. Had Derrick Henry stayed healthy and continued on his absolutely absurd pace to potentially shatter the NFL single-season rushing record, he was going to win the MVP award. I guess I'm just not sure why people are so obsessed with some sort of validation from the national media. Uh, who, who cares? I mean, who cares? The MVP voters do a good job and they know who's winning these awards and should be involved in these awards. An Embrace Debate talk show that's on a cable channel at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday? Why is that important, what they have to say about your favorite team? I, I just I don't understand. Titans Twitter, I, I know you guys are young. I know the fan base is young and relatively small relative to the big brands, and you're always going to have to sort of feel like you're fighting an uphill battle, but you also don't have to see a, a slight, a grievance in every single comment that is made on Twitter about someone else doing something positive. People rave about Derrick Henry all the time, and rightly so. He's spectacular. Don't overthink it. Don't worry about it. Let's just hope Derrick Henry gets back healthy, because then they have a chance to do what really actually matters, win a Super Bowl on the field. It is here, finally. After what feels like a month of waiting, Nashville SC will begin its run towards an MLS Cup championship on Tuesday night at Nissan Stadium against Orlando City, at least hopefully. Fresh off the big Monday announcement that the new stadium construction is ahead of schedule and will be available for all 17 home dates next year, the only logical continuation of momentum is a huge win on Tuesday night in the playoffs. However, they will have to earn it. Sure, SC was the third-place team in the Eastern Conference and was essentially the second-best team all season. They only lost four times, and they led the league in defense again. And Orlando City is the sixth-rated team in the Eastern Conference and hasn't been nearly as good all season. But there is very little separating these two clubs, including on the scoreboard. The boys in gold tied three times this year against Orlando, including two draws at Nissan Stadium, and we know that Tuesday night cannot end in a draw. Nashville didn't lose at home this year with eight victories and nine draws, and hasn't lost at home in over a calendar year, the end of last regular season. They have an MVP finalist in Hani Mukhtar, they have a Defender of the Year finalist in Walker Zimmerman, and they have a Keeper of the Year finalist in Joe Willis, and they should have had a Coach of the Year finalist in Gary Smith, who also, oh by the way, has an MLS Cup championship on his resume. According to Vegas, Nashville is minus 110 to win, and Orlando is plus 330, and with Philadelphia already advancing by way of their one nothing win over the New York Red Bulls, Nashville SC knows this is likely their last performance of the season in front of their supporters and the last match in Nissan Stadium history for Nashville SC. The game gets started at 7 p.m., and yes, I will be among the beer-drinking supporters hopefully cheering on another playoff win for Nashville SC. The college football playoff rankings, of course, will come out on Tuesday evening and a couple of things to keep an eye on. Who does the committee put at number two? Is it Alabama or is it Ohio State? That, of course, will set the scene for which team maybe could afford to lose and maybe still get into the playoff. Alabama could lose to Georgia and maybe still get into the playoff if they're high enough. Where's Cincinnati? Are they at number four now in the rankings or are they behind a team like Michigan or Notre Dame or Oklahoma State? 
I would argue Cincinnati belongs at number four, but if the committee is making a big statement about their strength of schedule, they might put a Michigan team, for example, up there at number four. So keep an eye on Cincinnati. And then Oklahoma, a sneaky team, Oklahoma State as well, that could both win the Big 12 championship with one loss. Could they be a team that sneaks in over Cincinnati or over Alabama should they lose a second time so those are some things to keep an eye on in the rankings I think it's all going to work itself out with big games coming over the next two weeks but those are some things to keep an eye on tonight when the rankings come out the 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They are award-winning for a reason. Their process has been successful over 10 years for a reason. And of course, my family uses them for a reason. BuildKG.com is the website. Check it out. Give them a call. Just have a conversation. The Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. Please rate, review, subscribe. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Please share the show as well. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, November 23rd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.